Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And we have a, this kind of an interesting way that this came about this week, Chuck. We had a listener who heard someone else's episode and it reminded him of some of his stories and and, and right. made this listener say, I, I, I've got something to share too. <laughs> yeah, he said, hold my beer. Hold my beer. I'm going to one-up him. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, no so pressure. Do we have there, this? Nick. Yeah, right. Exactly. His name's Nick. He's a corrections officer um, out of Oregon. And uh, he's got some crazy, interesting stories that he he just briefed us on. And, um, you know, he's been in it for eight years with two different agencies. So he's got a little bit of time. Yeah. You know, I mean, a little being, bit more than the last guy we had on. So maybe that's why he's like, oh, I've, nah, he's, he's got nothing. He did me. it more. <laughs> Yeah, timing great, man. How are you, Nick? Welcome. I'm to good. Show. How are you guys doing? Good. Oh, we're we're good. You know, we're we're both uh, just enjoying every freaking day that we're trying to keep our heads above water. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much on the right, right side of the dirt. Exactly. So, so you um, you'd been in this job. Are you still in it? Obviously. Mm-hmm. And you said Oregon. Uh, are you um, Eastern or Western Oregon? uh northern oregon oh so you're like on the washington border uh yeah i'm in what they call the uh the portland metropolitan area Ooh, oh god yeah. okay yeah. Not so portland. has it gotten rougher no the portland <laughs> greater portland metro area yeah right okay so i started out uh i was born and raised in southern oregon in a smaller town um I ended up, I had a buddy that he'd started through the reserve program, got hired on for the sheriff's office. He started in jail, went to the road. And then one day uh, I asked him if I could go on a ride along with him. And we spent the night going code three to calls, pursuit, took a guy at gunpoint. And uh, I was like, I I think I like this. So uh, I joined the reserve program 2012, um, did some time in the reserves, got hired. I did a minute over on the coast for a, a smaller agency mm-hmm. and patrol wasn't, it was a kind of a bad situation. We won't go into specifics, but uh, I ended up coming back and, and getting a job in the jail and I had eight years been doing it and loving every minute of it. So you, you started out uh, and patrol was just not a good situation for you. So you decided to come inside and work in corrections and you've been doing that for eight years in a totally different area than when you were an area where you were working patrol, right? So you've never run yeah. into anybody in corrections that you ran into working patrol. No. Cause I, I started over on the coast, um, band in Oregon and, you know, population like 3000 people. And then when that didn't work out, I came back down South and I worked down there for about four and a half years till I met my now wife. And when we started talking about who was going to move where, I said, don't even worry, you know, I'll, I'll come up there. So I've been up here for close to four years. Um, and it's just been a great experience going to a larger agency. Now, are you in a state facility? No, I, I, I'm part of a sheriff's office. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. I just ask because, you know, a lot of times what you end up dealing with can be very dependent on. Uh, you know, for example, if you're in a prison, you're not going to be dealing with people going to and from court as much as you will be dealing with people that are, you know, but, but in a jail, you're not necessarily dealing with people that are on death row, even though those two things can happen. They're yes. not as common yeah. in one another. Right. Yeah. I guess my question is, so you worked on an agency before and as on patrol and that was your, your two agencies was one was patrol and the other one was detention, right? No. Um, I, so you I guess detention at both. Yeah. Patrol was, was, I, I didn't count that as my two agencies. Um, so I did patrol for a hot minute and then worked for an agency down in Southern Oregon. And then I lateraled up to an agency up in Northern Oregon. Got it. Oh, okay. And then you've been at your current spot at the sheriff's office up there for eight years. Uh, I've been here for almost four all in all between the two places. Oh. I've been doing it for over eight years. Okay. So are you a jail, uh, um, 
uh, a jail deputy up there or yeah, how does that uh, work? Uh, we're, we're kind of unique um, as to like some states like Texas, you're not a, a, a sworn officer. Like I can arrest people. Um, you know, if someone comes in, you know, I can be served on the warrant as the arresting officer, things like that. Uh, we handle uh, transports to and from court to the hub, um, take people to prison, pick them up from prison to come back for like appeals and stuff like that. So the whole gambit. Yeah. So you guys are, yeah, when do you, when you guys leave the facility, are you armed? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was kind of how, so it sounds like a lot like our sheriff's department when the County where I worked, they had correctional officers that were not patrol deputies. And when they were inside the facility, they were, you know, armed with, correctional officer gear but when they left the facility if they were transporting to court working at court anywhere anywhere doing anything outside the facility they were full armed the whole kit you know yeah basically i mean yes i'm a sworn deputy and and basically i i dump i dump my my pistol my mags in the in uh and a gun locker on my way in but other than that i wear my vest taser oc everything that a patrol deputy would have yeah. Now I got one other question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> when you're out in town, like you're off shift, do you have like uh, in California, it'd be like eight thirty, like point two PC, where you have you have a CCW outside of work, you have powers to arrest, you can carry your gun. But some other is like smaller places. Like my buddy, he went into a different um, agency. He left uh, a major agency, went to a smaller agency, and they don't have those powers even in California. But he's on right. on the job. He's basically sworn and he's because he works for the federal government, but he's basically sworn. He can arrest whoever he can take him to jail out of work. He he doesn't have a CCW or anything like that up there because you're a sworn deputy. Does that carry over outside of work where you could carry concealed whenever you want? Yeah, right, I think I, I know what you're yeah. talking about every day. Yeah, every day I, I carry concealed under the color law and all that kind of stuff. So hell yeah. So yeah. I like your position. Yeah, like basically <laughs> all the best you have perks. All the perks of being a cop, but you can stay in the jail. Which yeah. LA County Sheriff has a similar thing. Um, I know with deputies that it used to be you had to go out on patrol. Yep, not anymore. Not anymore. If you like work in the jail, you can be a sworn deputy, never go to patrol school, never go out on the street. We no, I think that you have to go to patrol, but you have to serve your one time in patrol because it was maybe that Not was anymore. in the middle of that. That, that was, was that hybrid because he yeah. was like, you have to. And if you don't, you can go back. Um, yeah, and, now you don't now even I don't have think to go you, out. You don't even have to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you get you're sworn. You're you. I, I knew what you were talking about, Chuck, that there are some positions where you are right. only sworn while on duty in your official capacity. And then when you yeah. leave work. You are no longer US, USCPDs that way. A, yeah, you become well. All I, I believe all unit in California, at least all university police departments are only sworn while on duty. I and don't then, know. Yeah, I so, know USCPD is, but that right. was something that they worked out with their charter. I think Northridge, though, like places like Northridge, Cal, all the Cal states, I yeah. think they're all like sworn one hundred percent outside. So I don't know what other states know, have, but strange. we just know from our state, there was, Dolphin there was a, and, and under the peace officer section, there's all these subsections for like different kinds of peace officers you can be. And right. They made some specific ones. Like there's one agency, I won't say it, but they have their own section just for their peace officer status. And then you have like railroad police departments and you have like all these, anyway, that's pretty crazy. So you get all the perks of being a deputy on the street but you can just stay in the jail yeah now do you have to apply for a totally different job if you wanted to go out to the street no so the way my agency does it is is you know even if you come in and apply you know straight off the street and you want to get into law enforcement you know they'll offer you either the jail spot or a road spot and our pre-academy that we do before you go to the state academy it's all basically we do all the same things together firearms dts all that kind of stuff they branch off and do for a, you know a couple of days they'll do some stuff with their mdts and some evoc stuff but basically we do a lot of the same stuff our in-service trainings or monthly or bi-monthly trainings you know we all do it all together so i mean even though both sides of the houses are their own thing we do a lot of the same stuff together man that is pretty cool yeah, that's pretty cool. So do you enjoy working 
on the in the correction side and are you have no intentions of going out to patrol no i get that a lot um i i love controlled chaos i know who everybody is i know what they're about i know what they have means to get and uh it makes my job makes my job easier plus at the end of the day i punch out and i know there's people to take care of everything and i don't have to worry about it yeah there is some freedom in that especially and i'm sure that the the paperwork and the court appearances are a lot less intense i mean yeah you're gonna have to file paperwork when some shit happens but yeah not the same as like writing a crime report or take like you don't have to take bullshit theft reports from but even dumbasses who get their ipods stolen out of their freaking car because they left their car and locked in their windows down <laughs> no i mean we can still you know on minor things on like violation of uh you know if you have like a violation of restraining order you contact some from some from jail we can do you know minor reports like that but we actually have a guy that his uh special title is is he's the investigator for the jail so he's up with detectives he investigates Priya stuff. He, you know, if we have like a, a major deputy assault or, you know, like an aggravated assault or something like that, where someone gets spit on, he can come down and take the report. So, I mean, we pick up, we have the ability to pick up minor reports, but it's nothing. You I don't worry about. Right. Exactly. And then you, that makes you, sense. you don't, that means because you're not filing arrest reports as much, you're not getting as many court dates and nobody's getting on your ass to write tickets. <laughs> You don't have to go to traffic court. I'm digging exactly. this job you have, Nick. I'm digging it. <laughs> I'm just also, saying, I'm, I'm digging it. <laughs> other states and other agencies are so much better than California on writing reports. Oh, like God. California is always CYA on the reports, and each agency can be different and stricter and harder. And some are really easy, but I'm like, putting like where you're at in Idaho, and then I'm assuming up in like Oregon, they're a lot more streamlined. I mean, heck, he just said that if someone calls into the jail for a restraining order violation, the jailers are the the jail deputies can take that over the phone where as patrol and like other eight states, you would get stuck with that. Talk to the victim. Dude, I'm yeah. trying to get my buddy in here who left California and he, now he works in Washington and I, I want him to come on and talk about some of the bananas crap they have to deal with. Like the fact that if you stop a car and you see a gun in plain view, you have to write a search warrant. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not kidding. Like you. I'm not kidding you, bro. <laughs> like you have to freeze no. the car and yeah. Stupid. oh yeah dude you have to write warrants for everything in washington it's it i can't wait to have him on and talk about this stuff it's bananas but we're here to talk to nick so nick you emailed us after hearing and we won't say who but um you heard a previous episode and you were like those stories are cool but uh hold my beer so we're gonna uh <laughs> we're gonna hold your beer and and let you take over man what are some of your favorite i've i've gotten a couple of, of teases on stuff you're gonna talk about so i can't wait to hear them man what what are your stories uh, well, I mean, I, I've got a ton of them. Um, I got one of them that uh, was kind of eye opening for me. So I lived in a small town. Um, I was part of uh, I was the jail liaison for like mental health court. And I would assist like they would do fairs for guys that were participating in drug court, mental health court. And, you know, I do the dunk tank and, and I was respected by a lot of the guys. And uh, so everybody knew me. Uh, everybody knew what I drove and everything like that, but I had good rapport with people. I treat everybody decent. Um, but one day what you uh, drove oh, because when you pull through to go to the Sally port, you drive through our parking lot. And uh, oh. so, you know, coming and going, you know, you see a squad car roll through and they got a custody in the back and I'm hopping in my pickup. Awesome. I knew where it was. So great. That's fine. Yeah. So one day I, uh, I was on day shift as a supervisor and I get done working a regular day and I go to the gym, spend a couple hours at the gym and come home and doing my thing and, you know, making dinner and I hop in the shower for a little bit and I get out of the shower and I get a phone call on my work phone. So I answer the phone and it's one of the jail deputies and they say, Hey, uh, I've got one of the, the city sergeants wants to get your cell phone number. He wants to call you. Can I give it to him? I'm like, yeah, you know, no problem. So he calls me and he's like, Hey, um, so I just want to let you know, uh, there was someone outside your house kind of making a big deal. Uh, we, we got him in custody. We're going to be taking him to jail. And I'm like, I, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. And he's like, well, you know, he, I guess he was kind of out making, making a scene in front of your house and your neighbors called it in. So we ended up, we came and picked him up because they had a substation that was literally like 200 yards from my house. So yeah, that's not a call you want to get for the right. No, 
So I, uh, I threw myself together. I hopped in my truck. I lived a mile and a half from the jail. So I hauled ass down there and yeah, it was. So I come, I come walking in through the staff doors and I, I go into the booking area about the time they bring this guy in. And, uh, this guy, you know, he's high on meth and everything. And, you know, I told him, I looked him square in the eyes. I told him, if you ever come near my house, if I ever see you in my neighborhood again, I will fucking shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well. what had happened was, uh, as soon as I went outside, my neighbors are like, what the hell was that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, this guy is outside of your house. And he was saying, he was yelling you by name and he was saying, Hey, come out and handle this. Like a man, come be a man and come, you know, come handle this. And so we came outside and we confronted him and he wanted to fight us. So we, you know, we called the cops and they came pick them up. So what I didn't hear while I was in the shower was him beating on my door and calling me out by name to come outside and to fight him. So the, what hit me like a ton of bricks was, is, you know, I have kids with my ex-wife and Mm -hmm. You know, I thought about, well, what if my kids would have been home or what if I would have heard them and I would have answered the door? You know, I, you know, I always, what if your kids would have answered the door. Exactly. And, you know, and that, that's what really got me pissed off is this guy showed up at my house and was beating on my door. <clears throat> and at first I was kind of like, well, holy shit, I wish I would have heard it, you know, but then I'm like, well, if I would have heard it and I would have confronted him, Lord only knows what would have happened. You know, I could end up shooting this guy in my front doorstep or you get shot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that that was a, a very eye-opening experience. So that that one that one took me a while to get over because that so was So what was his deal? What was his damage? He's just high on meth. That's it. That's it. Just high on Knew meth. Where you lived, high on meth. Like no yeah. no like grudge over an arrest or like No. He was just one of oh, our man. our, you know, our standard frequent flyers. Leaders. Yeah, frequent flyer he'd come in all the time. And he just decided one day he was going to show up at my house and evidently wanted to handle something. But, uh, Man. yeah, I just, I just think of it now, if that was my house, oh, I'd yeah. go into my garage, grab my PR 24, walk <laughs> around the side of the house. Cause I have a nest camera and just watch him, and then just come up behind him and go, hi. And then like, get off my, get off my porch. And if you don't get off my porch, I'm going to tune you up with this fucking PR 24. And if you take one step towards me, I'm going to hit you with this fucking PR 24. And if you pull a weapon, I'm going to shoot you with a gun. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, that's like <laughs> amazing, but scary at the same time. But yeah. So no, like I said, that just, that one took me a while to shake because I never had anybody, you know, show up to my house or, uh, you know, really scary. confront me like that. So when I worked um, undercover, I took multiple routes home. Yeah. Right? And I think that was really, and I, I carry that over to this day where occasionally I'll do a little counter surveillance driving just because I'm paranoid, but I carried that over (laughs) when I went back to patrol. Um, and part of that was like, once you learn and once you realize that these assholes will follow you home, um, like look at poor, you know, if you don't know the name, Stacy Lim was a, was a LAPD copper who got off shift and drove home and a bunch of gang banging assholes followed her home and center punched yeah. her with the 357 magnum well she yeah. fought back too and she fought back she killed them the she killed the one who shot her and then went to the hospital and after a double like the like 10 pints of blood or whatever she had basically twice the amount of blood in her body put back again oh, wow. uh, and she died three times on the operating table but she lived and you know that's because some assholes followed her home yeah well, and you know, I, I, when I first started, uh, when I was new, I was heavy handed and, you know, I, whatever the rules were, I enforced them and I was a bit of an asshole, but as time went on, I, I learned to treat everybody with respect and, you know, kind of had a professional relationship with the, with all the guys that were in custody. And, you know, I, I never did anything that was unwarranted. I was never a blatant dick for no reason. So I, uh, I don't think I, I have to really worry about a whole lot of stuff like that other than the occasional crazy method. Right. But. It, well, you know, it's funny is when a lot of people, when they're younger, like, like in their careers, like it, not necessarily, it, it does happen to people who get into their careers at a young age, but just early on in your careers, you, you, you're still trying to figure it out. And a lot of times I think as you 
gain more street experience, you gain more experience um, working with people, you tend to learn like what is important and what isn't and how to talk to people and how to get, you know, get them to go along. You know, your verbal judo gets better. And the fact that you look at something, go, I don't, I don't, I really don't give a shit about the fucking paperwork. Nope. Nope. Don't give a shit. Knock it off. I mean, knock it off, but also shut the fuck up. (laughs) You know, it's a humbling experience when you're young on the job and you're like, man, I got like a year and a half, two years on the job. Like, I'm the shit, right? <laughs> and you start to deal with someone and uh, you go to zero to 100 real quick. And they're like, they start calling you a boot. And you're like, mm-hmm. what the you fuck? Mm-hmm. You're like, and you get more angry and more angry and more angry. And then your more senior partner has to come by and go, hey, bro, I got it. And they talk to the dude down they get him out. Like I had a, a situation like that in a 7-Eleven and this fucking tweaker comes in, gangster tweaker and guy the clerk at the seven loans like hey i want this guy out of here and i was like all right i got you my partner who had like i don't know four years on the job i had two and four years you learn a lot more than you do at two. Oh yeah and i was like hey man get out now he doesn't want you in here get out he has the right to refuse service get out and it was just like zero to 100 real quick and the guy's like fuck you and i was like no fuck you get out dude yeah, no fuck you and he was like you're a boot and i was like what I was like, no, I got like 10 years on the job. Get out, get out of my store. And my partner comes on and this dude is, oh man, he's a good guy, but man, (laughs) he was much better than me, but he came in, he he talked to the guy. He was like, all right, you got to go. And if you don't, we will arrest you for trespassing. And the guy doesn't want you in here. He's like, all right, fine. (laughs) And I got called a boot. And I was like, that's a huge thing. Super humbling. Is when you start and you're thinking, well, you know, I have to enforce rules, you know, whether it's on the road or in the jail, especially in the jail, you know, we have a lot of kids that are in there. I call them kids just because they're new, but they do that, that, that thing where they're, they're trying to, you know, control the situation and they come in a little hot and heavy. And then once they get made to look bad, then it's embarrassing and they don't know how to come back from that. Exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't waste my time on stupid paper. I always tell people if I got to write paper it's going to be miserable for you. So, you know, I have the ability to go in anybody's cell at any time, shake their stuff down and, and look for things that they shouldn't have. And I don't care about the little things as long as they make my job easier and my pod runs well, mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. You know, I'm not going to bust their ass over some cookies that they saved from dinner that they're not supposed to have. Well, and I mean, sometimes the rules are fucking stupid. Yeah. Like that, even cookies, like, <laughs> Sounds like the Marine Corps boot camp. Well, that's right. That's a sanitation <laughs> thing. Save the peanut butter in your fucking yeah, underwear. Yeah, I get it, but like so you could eat it. Ew. Yeah. Saving, what, what did you just say? I said it's a lot like the Marine Corps. It sounds like the Marine Corps, like no. Marine Corps boot camp. We would Saving put peanut, peanut butter, peanut butter, in, butter in your underwear. Well, dude, that you couldn't have it in your pockets. You get caught, so you put it in, like your skivvies, or you try to keep it in your boot or something, and then later you'd pull it out and eat it in the middle of the night. Hold on. You sound like a tweaker. Like a peanut butter, like, like, like a peanut butter, like tube. Yes. You, that's like, what yeah. I wanted to clarify. You're not talking about raw Smearing unpackaged peanut butter. Peanut butter. No. You're talking about a <laughs> package of peanut butter. I just wanted to clarify because the way, <laughs> I mean, you know, like theater of the mind, you just start to, I don't want, I don't want to eat anything in my underwear that looked like peanut butter for the record. <laughs> the similarities between like boot camp. Like a strict boot camp and like prison. Yeah. No. Yeah. And they're they're uncanny sometimes. That's oh yeah. Crazy. It is. Well, I mean, you're. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what? Uh, I. That's crazy. First of all, having somebody follow yeah. you home, and I'm with wow, Chuck. Yeah. Like, like that. That dude is probably only alive because you weren't home when he decided to. Uh, or didn't hear it because I think he or didn't home, hear right? it. Yeah, I didn't hear it. Yeah, I, you weren't. You weren't engaged in. <laughs> confronting him uh yeah this damn like i always tell people that my front door is locked for their protection not for mine exactly yeah yeah so uh another one is when i was still down there at my other agency um we typically had four deputies uh in the whole facility that one was an indirect supervision so you know we'd walk through every hour and check on everybody and that kind of stuff so we had two guys working in the back in the housing area. And then there's, they call it a day station. It's kind of like, you can see into the dorms and it's just a little bit elevated and there's computers there. And I was working up front in the booking area. 
and we get this guy in. He's a little high on meth. Not, not bad. He's a big, <laughs> just a little. Yeah. So, uh, I get him fingerprinted and I send him back to lodge him and I hear a backup call to go back and, and assist in housing. So I, I go running back there and I don't see anybody. So I'm kind of confused as I'm running. I, you know, I hit control and ask where they're at about that time. I see one of the deputies pop their head up. Well, what had happened was, is this six foot two Samoan decided that he wanted to come up to the deputy station and try to take one of the tasers from the deputies. Oh, so two six foot 200 pound guys are fighting him uh, on the ground at the deputy station. So I come running back there and, you know, I try to find space to get work in. So, you know, I, I tase him, drive some follow-up, nothing. Um, one guy's hammer fisting him in the face. The other guy's doing everything he can to hold on to his taser. So, you know, taser didn't do anything. So I start, you know, doing knee strikes. So I'm kneeing him as hard as I can with everything I got in the ribs. As and well, you should. And it's not facing mm-hmm. him. So then... Oh. The other deputy that's working up in booking, they come running back and they do the same thing. They, they staple them in one leg and drive stun to the other leg. And he just, he won't give it up. He won't let go of the taser, won't stop fighting. And we're fighting this balls with the the taser. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, you know, there was a moment when I literally, I, I sat up and I started looking around. I'm like, what do I have that I can hit this guy with? Right. And if I would have had a fire extinguisher, I would hit him in the head with it. Sure. So we fought this guy. It ended up being five minutes of us fighting this guy before our control had called dispatch. And a couple of our uh, county patrol guys ended up having to come in and help us actually get this guy in cuffs and dealt with. So for five minutes, four of us fought this guy. And at one point, I, I, I he was kind of like wiggling back and I saw the back of his head and I'm like, okay, I'm going to knee him in the back of the head. Maybe, maybe I can stun him enough to where we can actually get cuffs on him. And I, I need him as hard as I could in the back of the head. And it yeah, didn't, sir. didn't face him. Whoa. Oh, PCP yeah. or meth? No, just meth. Small one, just really, really hard head. Learn hard way. I, so, I will say what th- there's some geez. level of genetic muscle and bone density that people don't necessarily understand uh, like like not all racial races are created physically equally sometimes you know no like when you're talking about like oh dude do they have to be able to take horses down in samoa yeah like it's it and it's you can who knows maybe if you had samoans that spent hundreds of years living in a very easy climate where they didn't have such physically demanding maybe they would start to lose some of that muscle mass and bone density and maybe it has been built up over time just because of the the difficulties or the the things that culturally they do with with, but dude it's like pit bulls right like if you talk about pit bulls and you talk about how that dog just has a thicker skull than a lot of other dogs right well the same thing like with people you know it's just like eye color and just like hair color like there are other levels of your genetic makeup that change and oh, yeah, damn, absolutely. like I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. You could, some people you hit them. I, I think Elliot didn't Elliot tell a story about shooting a dude. He was a big old dude and he shot him three times, three or four times in the chest. And his musculature was so dense. The bullets didn't actually penetrate his chest cavity. Yeah. They just lodged in his pectoral muscle. Yeah. I remember that episode. Wow, and it's crazy. Like, yeah, and 23andMe, like if you do 23andMe and you pay mm-hmm. for like the extra shit, it'll tell you if you like what your genetic uh, makeup is when it comes to like um, uh, muscles and muscular muscularity and, and shit like that. And yeah. like mine, for instance, is um, that of a, a, of a power athlete. Um, so it'll tell you if you're that of a power athlete and you have the genetic codes for that and like the markers for it, or that of like an endurance type of athlete where the muscles won't fatigue. And those generally are lankier, tall, skinnier people. And then you have more stockier built people who are more of the explosive fast twitch muscles that, you know, um, yeah. my 23 and me told me I have powers. the musculature of a yeah. lazy athlete. 
<laughs> no shit. <laughs> anyway, so Nick, you got you need this guy in the back of the head. How did you end up like like what was the resolve? What happened to him? Uh so we like patrol got there. We ended up we got him uh got him handcuffed, got him in a we put him in our, our seg unit and one pair or on. more than one pair of cuffs. No, just one. Well, we made him fit. Oh yeah. So we, we, we got cuffs slammed on him. We got him to his, uh, to his new house and took him off through the door. And then about a week later, that guy, he got let out for his, you know, his out time. So he came out of his cell in our seg unit, which was basically, it was a long haul with, you know, six cells on one side, seven cells on the other side. And, you know, there's a shower in there. Well, he decided he wasn't going to go back in. So go down there start dealing with it uh someone had tried pepper spraying him through the door uh because there was a slider to go into that that cell block they sprayed him through the door didn't do anything so he's just pacing back and forth in this long hallway and uh so i go and i grab a 40 and i come back patrol shows up because you know we have history with where this, this cat. is going yeah so you know, we start yelling at him to step in and he basically, he just stands in the middle of, of the walk and he just throws his arms out and throws out a big war cry. So I, uh, I gave him the admonishments I needed to give and I, uh, ended up shooting with a 40 just below the knee and, uh, you know, his leg kind of flies back and that'll he, stun him real good. Yeah. Well, you would think at this point he would go back in his cell. Well, he decided that he was going to hide behind his open door oh. and go in the cell so we're we're kind of there in a little bit of a standoff we're trying to figure out what we're going to do we get a shield uh, a couple tasers and where we're going to go in and and go from there well he decides he actually wants to go in the cell so he goes in the cell and i'm yelling through the handcuff board of the slider for him to shut his door and he wouldn't shut his door so i took i had a multi-shot launcher i rack it again and tell everyone to stack up on me and i started going down the hall and as i'm as i'm going through i tell him you come out of your cell again i'm gonna shoot you and come around and get to his door and i kind of you know slice pie around the door and he's just sitting on his bunk rubbing his leg so shut the door and that was that so needless to say he didn't get to come out of his cell for quite a while after that yeah he had to he had to have some quiet time yeah yes you know sometimes those 40s they don't work really well this, yeah, this worked. I mean, you could tell he he didn't like it. So, like I said, he went and hid behind the door. Yeah, we. I'll we, say we. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say we nailed someone, um, in the chest with it, and he just I, we just watched him curl, eat it, and then stand back up, and we're like, oh, oh shit, rack it again, forty breaks. <laughs> Another officer with a forty. Hey, get it and hit him again, and uh, he tried to catch it with his fucking oh. hands. Yeah, exploded his fucking thumb. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that'll do that. And then he was done. He was like, but he he was only done because he saw blood. It's it weird how it. that happens sometimes when people are like, oh, I got hurt. I should stop. Like exactly. they don't feel it. It's like they did. It's it's like when the coyote doesn't realize that he's run off the edge of the cliff until he looks down and sees there's no like ground beneath him. <laughs> right. Meth is one hell of a drug, dude. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? All right, so I know you got. I know you, you told us you had a couple more, so I don't want to keep you from, you know, getting some of these out before we run out of time. So, okay. Uh, so I got some some funny things that I've found uh, doing strip searches. So we had a guy come in one time, and the uh, the arresting officer says, "Hey," he says he's got some some money down the back of his pants. So oh, okay, you know, we go through the pat down and everything, and he can't post bail, so we take him back to shower to dress him in. So I tell him, all right, go ahead and start taking off all your clothes. He's taking off his clothes and I'm waiting for this money to show up. And he gets down to his underwear. And I'm like, okay, it's got to be there. And he takes off his underwear and we're standing there. He's naked and I don't see any money. So I, I asked him, I said, so where, where's this money at? And he's like, oh, hold on. And he reaches back and he starts digging in his butthole. And I ask him, what are, what are you doing? He's like, hold on a minute. I'm like, what the hell? So he he digs for a little bit and he reaches out and he holds his hand out and i've got a glove so i reach out and he drops something in my hand and i look down it's a rock and i'm like what's this he's like it's a rock i'm like yeah i know but where's the money he's like well, hold on and he starts going back to digging 
he digs for a little bit and he comes back out and he lays uh, $300 bills that are rolled up real tight, wrapped in cellophane. He sets up my hand. So I'm looking at this rock and this $300 in my hand. And I ask him, I'm like, why was there a rock in your ass with your money? And he tells me, he's like, well, I put my money in there to keep it safe because I don't really trust the people that I'm around. So I, I put the rock in afterwards. So if they try to find it, they just find the rock. And it was just like, what do you say to that? I mean, so there's nothing you can't at, say to that, right? No. Oh. So I've got this rock and I've got this $300 and I, I, and I'm looking at him and I'm looking at the money. And I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be in your property. We're not going to put it on your account. So we bagged it up. And when he got released, he got his poopy $300 back in his special rock. So he plugs his ass with a rock to keep yes. the money in. Cause he thinks if other people go to find it, they'll just find the rock. Are they digging his butt too? I don't know. I don't know. I, so I had something similar um, in, in the sense that you're like, when the, you get the explanation, you're like, um, okay. We searched a gal and she had a piece of tissue sticking up, you know, we, you know, she had the whale tail showing. Mm-hmm. And so there's a piece of tissue sticking up from her butt crack. And uh, we, we're like, Hey, what's, you know, what's that? She's like, what? And we're like, what's this? And so, my partner gloves up because it's his arrest and he starts pulling on the tissue and up comes a meth pipe wrapped in toilet paper <laughs> in between from in between her butt cheeks. And he goes, so what's this expecting her to, I don't know what that, whatever she goes, Oh, that's my ass pipe. And it went like, uh, what, what now? She goes, that's my ass pipe. And what else do we have to ask her at that point? Because she admitted to what it was and that's what she calls it. And I, I really don't want to know why she has decided to store her meth pipe in her ass in toilet paper. I mean, I, I'm guessing the Dude, toilet paper is to keep it, you know, poop free. I found it. I found one in someone's crotch. It was a cottage cheese one. It was his crotch oh. pipe. He had like <laughs> cottage cheese, a yeast infection. It looked like. Oh, Oh god! And it was just all over his pipe and his balls, and it was like he threw cottage cheese in his underwear, and you could feel it on the search. I'm like, what the fuck is that? But it couldn't, it wouldn't shake loose. The pipe, like, not fuck. the cheese. Right, the pipe. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck! I have to, I have to pull his his drawers open and look down. And then, fucking middle of the summertime, you get hit with a whiff in your face. Ooh, yeah, dude. Let me tell you what. Such a glamorous job. You puke. So same agency, uh, we had two people come in. It was a male and female. So we bring in one at a time. We bring the female in and the females take her back and they start dressing her in. And they say that they found drugs in her, her jail purse. So I go back out and I grab the guy that's the custody that's still in the car. And I make a joke in, in passing. I'm like, oh, you know, your girl had some drugs in her, in her crotch. Hopefully you don't. And he 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 didn't seem oh, no. stunned by the comment. He's what, what are you talking about? I'm like nothing, man. I just I heard she had some drugs. I was making a joke, so I take this guy into the shower and tell him to take off his clothes, and he takes off his clothes, and I have him do the the coffin squat, and so he's naked and he spreads his butt cheeks, leans forward, and he coughs, and I see a piece of plastic sticking out of mm-hmm. his butthole. So I, I I tell him, what's that? He's like, what are you talking about? We call that a clue. What's, What's sticking out of your butt? And he turns mm-hmm. around and I see him. He starts like trying to push it back in. So I tell him, no, 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 stop right there. Whatever you've got, you need to pull it out and hand it to me. So he's kind of, he's digging around and all of a sudden I hear this snap. And I'm like, what the hell? And he reaches out and he goes to hand me a piece of a blue rubber glove. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I saw clear plastic. Where the fuck did this come from? So I'm like, hey, man, whatever you got in there, you need to bring it out. Because if you don't, you're going to catch more charges. It's not worth it. It's just whatever you got, just give it to me. And he, he started playing dumb, wouldn't do it. So I, I step in, I threw him in cuffs and I poked my head out of the shower and I told the arresting officer, I'm like, Hey man, your custody's got something in him and you need to take him and, and get it out. So he, uh, he ended up taking him to the hospital and they got uh, four and a half grams of heroin out of him. Oh, so when he comes back, I told him, I'm like, man, what, what are you doing? Why didn't you just, you know, give it up? It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. And he tells me, well, where I'm from down in Orange County, 
you do that and that's how you make money. You get arrested with it. You go to jail, you spend your dough, people put money on your books and that's how you make money on the weekends. Right. You know, I mean, like it's, it's the weirdest thing in the world when, and maybe I, I would love to know what other jobs have to deal with this. I mean, obviously the jobs that we talk to, right. We talk to people in police work. We talk to people in the military. We talk to people in the fire department, uh, hospital setting, but do teachers ever have like <laughs> random fucking conversations with their students or others? St- like does the jan when you, you look at the janitor and you're like, you go into his office and you know, he's got some random tooth sitting on his desk. And you, you, what is that? That's my spare tooth. What? <laughs> like, no, that I don't think that happened, but it happens to us. Like the ass pipe or the rubber. Like I, I will tell you straight up. I knew a, a parole agent who handed a pen. And I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but he handed a pen to his parolee that he was booking for a parole violation. And I was the transport unit. And I was like, I have nothing to do with this. I want it on the record that I was just driving you here. <laughs> he handed a, a clicky pen to his parolee. And he goes, I know the dopes in your ass. You dig it out or I will. And he sent the guy off to dig the dope out of his ass with a pen. And then comes back with a tiny cellophane teener of meth that had brown and red smears on it and i didn't want I, like, hey he's like you want to you want to all you can book it i'm not i'm good <laughs> like, i don't want to write a report i was never here Your violation i'll transport him. nothing to do with me this is not a new it, the crazy part was is that the da failed or or declined to charge him with bringing dope into a correctional facility Wow. Yeah. You want to know why? Well, you know, those are just bartering chips. Whatever, whatever else brings them to jail. Anything that we find is just a bartering chip for them. That's it. Well, the DA said, well, he didn't want to bring it to jail. You forced him to bring it to jail by arresting him while he had it in his ass. What? (laughs) (laughs) That That was the DA's answer. Yeah. Eh, You know, can't win them all. But it wasn't my case. Like I said, I, I was not even there to this day. I shouldn't even tell that story. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's nothing to do with me. Well, it's funny. You talk about, you know, butt pipes. Uh, we had a guy uh, one time that he he had smuggled in trazodone, which evidently isn't something you can really do a whole lot with. And you can ended get up, a good night's sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy. He had it with him the entire time he's in jail. He goes to sentencing, finds out he has four years, comes back. We ended up putting him in a holding cell on intake so we could get some some prints for added charges. And I pull him out to print him and he's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? And he's like, I don't want to die. I'm sorry. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I took a bunch of pills. Well, short of it was, is he had that trazodone on him. And after he got back from court, he ate them all and was overdosing so i hop in you know i gun up and i hop in the back of the ambulance and i'm riding with him to the hospital and they're feeding him charcoal and he's you know puking out everywhere and i'm, I'm just thinking to myself oh this this dude's gonna die and uh, we get to the hospital and i tell the the doctor in the er or in the the ed i tell him i'm like hey just you know you know he'd smuggled some drugs into jail and he overdosed on him and i don't know if he has any more so they four point this guy on the hospital bed and he walks over. He puts on like three sets of gloves, rolls them over and goes knuckles deep in this guy's bucket oh. to look for more. And so he, he digs around and he pulls his hand back out and he takes off all the gloves. He's like, no, he doesn't have anything. I'm like what? Why did you put on so many gloves? He's like, well, you poke yourself on a broken crack pipe in someone's ass and you learn a lesson. Yeah. I mean, I would think the lesson would be don't stick your fingers in somebody's ass unless you're a proctologist and they're paying you for it. <laughs> Not yours. Don't touch it. Right. I mean, I, I don't, I, okay. So in the job that I'm at now, I have the potential to have to have to search things if I volunteer for it. And I have said, I'm good. 
like unless you need me to do it i have i i'm quite fine never sticking my hands in somebody else's possessions ever again <laughs> because anybody that volunteers for that gig has not searched other people's stuff long enough to come back with something you don't want to find tweaker bags uh, tweaker purses yeah yeah, smell. yeah. <laughs> yeah. bad yeah so it's it's yeah i'm no thanks you know i'm good i don't need to ever stick my hands in anybody else's anything ever again yeah you know i, I not the highlight no mm-hmm. no that's that has that was not i mean i missed rolling code like if you said hey do you want to drive a car with the lights and siren on i mean yeah sure no problem you yeah. want to get in a fight again sure absolutely you want to search this guy no i'm good <laughs> yeah yeah i'll, I'll pass oh the the shit you find and not only that but i think what people don't we talk about smell a lot on this show (laughs) and when you search someone you inevitably get close enough to smell them when you search their possessions you get close enough to smell their possessions when you get in there, when you search the house, you smell their house. Like, smell is a very powerful sense. And one that, I'm, if you've been a cop or a soldier or a fireman or a nurse long enough, you have probably longed for the ability to turn it off or at least just be able to go to work with COVID and have your sense of smell disappear for a couple of months. <laughs> Um, because I mean, tweakers, I said it, they smell like battery acid and cat piss. Like it's, it's a combination of those two wonderful smells. Then you add their hygiene into it. And then if they've shit themselves or pissed themselves or thrown up or, Oh my God, it's homeless. People are quite the, the bouquet of aromas especially ones that enjoy being homeless and don't they they enjoy being homeless and addicted to drugs and alcohol. And I'm not talking about like homeless people where they go to, they, they have a tent, they go to the shelter, they take showers, they try to work. They're trying to better themselves. No, I'm talking about people who embrace the urban camper lifestyle and (laughs) just dink. Oh, you ever had a dead body call and the person's alive and it just smells like death. Yeah. Yeah, we had yeah. one. We opened the door, door knock. I'm like, fuck, well, hopefully this person is not dead. Door opens. And you know, pig pen from the fucking um, peanuts, peanuts or whatever? Yeah. There was just you a know, cloud around him. Flying around him. Yeah. Yeah. Play yeah. opened the door. No shit. She had a, a halo of fucking gnats. And <laughs> the moment they oh. opened a reverse vacuum oh. right into your mouth. And I was, dude, I took a, I was like, hi. <gasps> And uh, about a hundred and fucking thirty whatever million gnats flew into the back of my throat, and I about fucking had it. And and she was elderly, and we had to call adult uh, protective services on her, and looked inside of her house, and she was mental. And uh, <laughs> you think her her fucking fridge was wide open, unplugged, and everything was rotted in it. And that's where the gnats came from, Ooh. and that's where the dead body smell came from. And then she proceeded to try to chase us out of her fucking apartment. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Crazy yeah. shit. Smells are gross. Ugh. Yeah. Smell and, and smells are the things that oftentimes um, will bring it back fast. Like it's funny that, you know, a sound or a smell might bring a memory back faster than somebody saying something or seeing something or you know somebody's like hey do you remember the time blah 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 and you're like no nah, i don't remember that shit and then you smell and you're like oh fuck remember that time we <laughs> it's one of the reasons you know they tell you um you've heard you guys have heard the tip and if you haven't you know listeners this is a pro tip from real estate agents uh if you're gonna be having people see your house and you know ahead of time people are coming in to see it bake cookies or bake brownies Mm -hmm. because when they walk in your house to see 
your house the if they, sm- the, they smell that they, they they get hit with that and they're like oh this place smells like home yeah no shit because we were baking cookies <laughs> 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 so pro tip anyway well nick it's been a whole lot of fun and i can only imagine that you've probably here how about uh, let's real quick before we before we get to your dedication um what is the grossest thing you've seen like what story sticks out to you as like i never want to have this happen to me ever again uh <laughs> there honestly there's too many of them um yeah i mean it is I, jail it is jail i so i'm part of a corrections emergency response team it's like jail swat so one of our one of our things is is um we do all the planned use of forces. You know, we've got Team Wendy bump helmets, we have APRs, we have all the cool tools. And so we do forced showers a lot on people. So, you know, it takes a lot of documentation, but if medical thinks there's a concern, they haven't, you know, have a documented shower in, you know, 30 days, we can kind of get the ball rolling to where we can, by any means necessary, get this person out and strap them into a chair and shower them. Mm -hmm. So we, We've extracted people covered in their own feces. We've extracted females covered in their own menstrual blood. Um, <laughs> I mean, there there is no oh, one. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a guy that to keep himself warm, he would smear feces on his legs, and what? his legs look I mean, like I mean, tree trunks. Kind of smart, you know. Yeah, and uh, like mud. Yeah, he had cellulitis, and literally, you could see it looked oh. like he was sweating because of the stuff coming out of his pores and yeah so there there is no one there's a long list of them what would you what would you rather like as far as the gross stuff goes what's the one where you're like i will deal with i will deal with this i will deal with this i'll deal with this. but if it's this i'm out like i don't i don't even want like that's the worst one for you uh the the women women menstrual menstrual blood. blood yeah that's all that's a, a whole nother smell like i i can deal i can deal with the smell of shit and vomit and all that kind of stuff but you don't like the smell of a fish in a penny uh irony <laughs> irony smell have you ever air. had have you ever had someone shit in your hand no <laughs> no i haven't no? never no no i've Man. never had somebody shit in my hand chuck so never i think that's extra a for thing. that yeah, that's Am I the thing. only one? Yeah, that's a you thing. Oh shit! Yeah, no, I had someone shit in my hand. Oh. Well, I mean, hmm. like they, like were you holding at your hands? No, like like How? I was searching him for. Oh, like, this is an old man, and he didn't want to go to jail, and then I arrested <laughs> him, and we're literally like right down the street from the station. Like I can look at my station. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh okay, and I'm like, sir, you're you're going to jail for um a, a felony, like you're going to jail i'm sorry there's yeah. nothing else i can do he's like okay i was like i gotta take you outside and search him searching him you know coming around in the spider crawl and i go to search his crotch and whatever and down the leg and back up the leg to his ass and he's like before i start searching let me just paint this picture he's like i gotta go to the bathroom and i was like look dude we're right down the street from the station give us 10 minutes you can be in a cell and you can go to the bathroom. I'll put you in a cell with the bathroom. You're good. And he's like, okay. And then I'm searching. He's like, I got to go. And I'm like, hey, bud, you got to wait. You're in a felony. I can't let you go back into the house. I can't let you go to the bathroom unless I search it. It's going to take longer for me to go and search those portions of your home. So you don't arm yourself with a weapon. And I can't, I can't do that. Once you're hooked, you're hooked. I, I just got, right. we're going to take you to jail. And he's like, okay. And I come up spider crawl and I'm going up his back of his crotch and I smell something as I'm coming up. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I get to his 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 jeans in the back, and I just feel this lump hit my hand. And I'm like, cool, <laughs> fuck that. And I have to finish the search because I can't like that's another way that people I could think of, you know, I'm gonna shit on them and they won't feel my shank or my fucking gun or whatever in my pants. And then they just stop, right? Well, I fucking can't do that. So I have to fucking continue my search. And I'm like, God damn it. And shit's just, you just <laughs> smell it. And you're, I have to, I'm like almost all the way done, but I got to finish and I got to go up the other leg. And I'm like, you motherfucker. And I'm like, did you just shit? And he's like, I told you I had to go. I was like, you, you shit in my fucking hand, bro. I, I've you're had guys. Grown ass man. You can't hold it. I've had guys that have had shit 
in their pants when I search them. You can smell it when they come in. And yeah, I yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Their yeah. leg and stuff like that. I've also had guys start pissing. They y'all give me out of cuffs. I got to pee. And I'm like, hey man, you got to wait. Let me do my thing. And I've literally been in the middle of patting them down, and and multiple times guys just piss their pants. I mean, oh, well, yeah. yeah. We okay. So this isn't this didn't happen to me, and I wasn't there when it happened. But I will say that this was a legendary story at my agency. We had a sergeant. Uh, we he nicknamed himself Sergeant Asshole. Um, <laughs> and he 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 was old school man. He like very old school. And I remember one time uh, they told me that he had responded and. Don't ask me why the sergeant was searching the dude. They responded for a prowler up at a, a, a mini mall, and he was the first one on scene. And the backup officers get there. Sergeant's got him up against the wall, patting him down. Right, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> and the, I mean, he was sergeant asshole. Like he didn't give a shit. He was old school. Like he he was the kind of guy that he'll just beat you with his radio if you get rowdy. You know. Uh, and he did. He carried an old Midland. Like we all had the like Kenwood HT. Like we had good, nice radios, Motorola HT 1000s, whatever, you know, back then. Uh, no, he still carried like a Midland, like on a swivel. It was like 16 inches long. <laughs> Dude, he, he just didn't give a shit. Carried his smokes in his sock. Um, <laughs> and yeah. He's patting this guy down. He reaches around and he goes, What's this? He goes, like, this nothing. He's like, No, what's this? This is a weapon. What is this? He's like, That's that's my dick. He's like, No, what is this right here? What and he's grabbing it, like, what is this? And it is his it's in his crotch. <laughs> Literally, he was grabbing the guy's dick. <laughs> and he couldn't tell the difference between his dick and a weapon. I've had that happen to me. <laughs> that that's my dick oh that's cool <laughs> that's a big one i don't know what you want me to say to that cool man that's big hey congratulations <laughs> you make a joke oh that's a weapon for sure bro <laughs> for sure and they laugh and like okay yeah, exactly oh, oh, oh man it's, it's a sword <laughs> well <laughs> on <laughs> right exactly no that was so you get to those legendaries he was one of those guys where um you know we 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 did his retirement video and my buddy did an impression of him uh, for his retirement video. And we were filming everybody doing their, their impressions and his retirement video impression was he, he picks up the phone. He's like, Oh, he, the officer did what? Oh yes. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's awful, ma'am. Oh, you know what? Yes, absolutely. I will speak to him right now. There is, there's no call for that. I will. He's going to get in so much trouble. Thank you for telling me this. I will handle this immediately. And then he hangs up the phone and goes, hey, I told that bitch to go fuck herself. (laughs) That's the kind of guy this sergeant was. And so we he's still around. He's retired, obviously, but he was a good dude. He was one of those guys that like we had to beat somebody in the back of a patrol car because the guy was kicking out window like he was violent, like. Everybody says, oh, you can't beat somebody in the back of a patrol car. No, you can. If the circumstances to overcome right. his resistance and his force. Exactly. There you and go. it just so happened that this this beating had to take place because he was <laughs> resisting in the back of a patrol car and he was going to destroy <laughs> the patrol car. And so um, I basically the sergeant comes out and starts dragging him out of the back of the patrol car so he can't kick out windows and destroy a, an automobile. And he starts telling him and the guy starts biting and kicking and spitting. And so he drives his elbow into the guy's side of his head to get him, you know, basically it was a primitive form of lateral head displacement to get this guy's attention. And when we were done, he puts him back in the car, gets him boat, you know, gift wrap for jail, looks at all the young coppers standing around like, Holy shit, Sarge, you just took care of business. And he goes, anybody have a problem with that? I'm like, Nope. He's like, good. Take him to jail. <laughs> that was it. Like, just, like, nice. Yeah, old school guy. So, anyway, uh, so uh, Nick, I understand. As as always, we give our our guests a chance to dedicate their episode to whomever they would like. And Chuck has told me that you have a dedication for your episode. I do. Uh, it's a bit of a two parter. Uh, so, in 2014, uh, Trooper. Galen Couch, he passed away from cancer. 
Um, he did, he was a explosive guy for OSP and he did, uh, my class, uh, when I was in the reserve Academy and I grew up with his daughter, uh, in Southern Oregon. And then last year, his daughter, uh, Courtney couch, who I grew up with, um, she was, uh, off duty and there was a kid at the lake where she was paddleboarding that I guess was having some troubles and. She uh, swam out to try to save him, and she ended up drowning. Oh, God. So both yeah. of them. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's rough. That's yeah. terrible. I mean, you know, cancer sucks, but then to, to go out trying to save somebody because, oh, man. Yeah. Wow. That's mm. a, that's ter- that's fucking terrible, man. I'm Well, we'll keep dedicating our episodes until we can stop, but I doubt that's coming anytime as long as this job is dangerous people like uh the couches will be out there trying to save others and so uh, rest easy brother and sister we got it from here um uh, nick thank you for coming on and sharing you definitely had yes, some uh, had some fun stuff that uh you didn't disappoint <laughs> and, I got and anybody more. that yeah well we'll have you back on anytime and uh <laughs> if you've got any other buddies that that uh that you want to recommend, send them our way. We've had lots of people Absolutely. Um, that have been reaching out to us. And, uh, you know, when we first started the show, we just kind of populated it with our friends, you know, because yeah. we knew so many cops and we knew so many veterans, we knew so many firefighters. And, and at some point we decided that this isn't just about our stories. It's about your stories. And so we had started trying to primarily uh, recruit our guests from the talented pool of listeners that we have out there working the road every day and uh you know keeping it keeping it real and crushing chaos and just doing the job because otherwise it's just an echo chamber with us and all our friends you know talking about the glory days so we appreciate you coming on and we appreciate all of our listeners that have either nominated people uh like our listener who nominated her father for when uh, his response to 9-11 Right. Or uh, Nick listening to another listener and going, well, I got some shit like that. Hold my beer, you know. <laughs> so we want to we want to encourage that. And we, we love the fact that you guys are continuing to do that. And it also helps because then you can go back and tell your friends. All right. Here you go, fuckers. Here's my story. And then they can say, oh, Nick's stories were weak. Hold my beer. I got some better ones. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate you coming on. Chuck, Absolutely. I know you've got some news. Yeah, about our tank tops, because we made an executive decision, did we not? Yeah, um, we decided that um, it took a little bit longer for the tank tops than we had wanted. It's unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, I live in Southern California. It's still hot out here, but I know that many of you in other parts of the state and the country and not state, but other parts of the, the country, the, it's getting cold. Right. And actual, actual free America. It's not this communist state. Anyways. It's getting colder out there. So we switched and we're going to be releasing the sh- shirts instead. And uh, which is actually kind of good because they go up a little bit bigger in size. So that's good for us. Um, but yeah, those are those are in the works right now. And we should have those live in the next couple of weeks. And it'll be shirts. And then as soon as spring hits, tank tops, bam, no waiting. They're already bought and paid for. They're coming your way and a more appropriate time. And then um, the hats are coming. Um, mm-hmm. Just got to finalize some stuff uh, during the business week coming up. And um, I think you guys will like it and it'll hit. And then there'll be a short order. And then as soon as if they sell out or if they go really quick, a pre-order will immediately happen. Or, you know, you'll get a message. Hey, we got your order, you know, or show interest if they do go out. Hey, I would like a hat. Hey, I would like a hat. I'll, we'll just put in another pre-order again or another order. and. Um, we'll get those back out to you guys. Cause I think you guys are really going to like them and um, they're pretty cool. So wait till you see them. But I want to say thank you all for uh, today for listening. If you like today's podcast, please go and follow us on our Instagram at war underscore stories, underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. If you already follow us, please share our post and our info. You can go to a link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook to reach all of our socials, our media and our website, our podcast is on all major podcast streaming platforms as well as on YouTube. If you want to support us, please go to our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com. Again, that's www.warstoriesofficial.com. Grab some gear. Um, also, there's a surprise with the shirts when you order them. 
and something that can stick onto something. So hint, hint. Hint, um, not much of a hint. Some... If you, for those of you, you don't have to be in the detective bureau to figure out what, you know. No, what not saying. at all. Um, if you want to be featured on a show or you think you have a story, or you want to share your story, please go to booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that's booking.warstories at gmail.com and send me your story and I can get you booked. We are looking for law enforcement, corrections officers, dispatchers, fire, medics, and veterans. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, let them know about us and give them our booking email. And if you have any topics that you guys would like to have covered or um, yeah. things like that, write in to the email. Um, yeah, we're still down to do those topical episodes, but yeah. we have so many guests we're trying to do that exactly. we don't really have time to kind of just make up topics. But if you have stuff that you want us to cover, we'll make time for it. You know Exactly. So just write yeah. that in. And then um, if you've already been featured on the show before and you want to come back on, just shoot an email um, and, and uh, refresh my memory. Um, I often go through the emails all the time and, and try to see who's come on before and, and ask you guys back. But, you know, sometimes it gets difficult. So let us know. And uh, thank you all for mm-hmm. listening. Stay safe. Yep. And until our next episode, come home with your shield or arm.